0: Welcome to the Recruiting.Technology podcast, the best in HR automation, productivity, data, and more anywhere on these fine interwebs. Here are our hosts, Jason Roberts and Andrew Godomsky. Hi, this is Andrew Godomsky, and that is Jason Roberts. And this is Recruiting.Technology, the best in bots, automation, and all things algorithmic anywhere. On the internet and Facebook, every once in a while. Every once in a while. All right, so you want to get you want to break into the SEC stuff because I think that's that's a big win for everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is this is what we call the Andrew Gidomsky retirement plan. So, uh, do you want me to break down the story? You correct me if I'm wrong as I go. That's fine. But the uh, the SEC has now. Determined that this the Securities and Exchange Commission has now decided that um, that human capital data needs to be filed along with your corporate filings uh, on a on a regular basis as a publicly traded corporation. You have to put out human capital data, and what's crazy about this is that that means analysts will be able to use this data to help make determinations about your ultimate valuation as a company. So for the first time, HR data is being tied directly to the value of the business as determined by the market. And that's a big stinking deal for those of us in HR.
0: Yeah, that yeah, we we've been we've been hemming and hawing forever about having a strategic seat at the table. And I I think, you know, what ends up happening is and you're right with all the things that you said. And, of course, by the way, the SEC didn't go ahead and say, and here are the seven things that you should put in your report. Okay, so they didn't do that. We'll get to that in a second. What they did say is human capital analytics and human capital management is super important and then the institutional investors and analysts who who look at the who look at companies and then talk about their value to the market so these are the state streets and vanguards and morgan stanleys of the world they're all out saying look the things that are really important to a business is things like you know their human capital management how well are they tied up on 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 data security and cybersecurity? Are they green and sustainable? Are they uh, are they impacting climate change? So so all of this was part of a larger dialogue with the SEC from the analyst community, where the analysts were saying, "Look, we just can't go on." you know, oh, they've got these earnings and then they've got these facilities and this is their management team. We need more from these companies to disclose so we can then understand their valuation because it's not just about how good their manufacturing floor is. It's how good are their, you know, where are their people from and how and how much training do they give their people? And How well do they retain their people and, 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 um, and so it, I think you've set it up right where it's like, they've said, it's important. You, you should be disclosing information around human capital on a quarterly basis and also an annual basis. Um, but they didn't quite give you a list of. <laughs> here are the things to measure.
1: <laughs> well, we'll settle into a norm, right? So, we'll, we'll ultimately settle into a norm. I, I think that there are a few things that just jump out at me as things that are important for an analyst to know, right? Uh, they should know your attrition because that points directly to the disruption in your business mm-hmm. uh, based on uh, based on movement. They should know the uh, they should know your open positions versus uh, uh, versus existing headcount. So it helps them understand growth. And uh, and if you're if you're targeting growth at the moment, um, if your if your attrition is outpacing your hiring, that that tells a story as well. You're purposely trying to shrink the organization in order to uh, in order to to reduce costs, mm-hmm. so why is that? Should I look closer at your revenues uh, when that happens? Um, so those those sorts of things uh, come to mind, um, and then I think you know you you always have sort of your um, uh, your empirical data, but then you have sort of the color that goes in there as well, and the color commentary type data I would expect to see is uh, key hires for a quarter. So, and who, where do you get those hires? So are you are you hiring um, really interesting ex- executives and stealing them from other leading organizations? That's really interesting. Oh, uh, so-and-so hired Johnny Eyes from Apple. That's interesting. I bet they have some interesting, some product design things that they're going to do that are new and innovative, you know, those sorts of things I would think uh, you could call out to say we have key hires from these organizations. And then the uh, the horse trading between companies will get interesting when that happens. Uh, because you'll see, you know, if there's a brain drain happening from Amazon uh, cloud engineers going over to Google, you might, uh, you might see that pop up. But then Amazon might come in and and say, oh, well, we're transitioning to this other new thing and here's the type of people that we're hiring. So it may get really interesting for us in talent acquisition, depending on the sorts of information we put out there. But I, I think you could certainly expose, oh, we're growing our capability by bringing on this type of person and then help to kind of identify the strategies that go along with growing those capabilities within your business.
0: Yeah, I... You know, you know, there's going to be, you know, so so obviously we're you know we're getting we're getting banged on pretty hard by by corporations to come up with strategies around this. And so, you know, my 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 concept is that you know you measure a lot of things, but then you pull together different measurements to create a insight, right? So you know, you you looking at one thing like how many hires you did. Doesn't tell you very much, but you looking at, you know, your hires plus the diversity of those hires, plus the speed of those hires and the cost of those hires together tells a different story, right? Or tells a story. So I think that we're going to see storylines that are, this is how we're using human capital and it's making us more productive than our competitors. So I think you're going to see things like we fill jobs faster, we have less vacancy, or we maintain a higher percent or a very good percentage of occupancy. Right? It's one thing when you got a hundred thousand people on a pay you know budgeted for a payroll, but you only have ninety thousand people on in the company at any given time and you always have 10,000 vacancies, right? Versus it's 100,000 people, but you only have 5,000 vacant at any given time, right? So I think that there's going to be some stories around our human capital and our practices make us more productive than our competitors and in our space. And so I think you'll see I think we'll see some interesting data around how we train our people, how well they go through training, how they we always are continually investing in their in their capability. I think there will be the how fast we fill jobs, um, how we fill the jobs, how well we, you know, we move people around the organization. I think there'll be a play around. We, we have upperly mobile people. We train them and then we reward them with bigger jobs, right? I think that investment, the investment community will look at some of those data stories and say, okay, your human capital is being very productive. Then there's like these, and I think it's, let's call it the feel good stuff. It feels good to have pay equity, right? Right. We pay people regardless of race, national origin, gender, biological sex, the same. You know, we're using merit based pay and we can prove that. Or uh, we have very strong diversity and inclusion and very good engagement and very good culture. Here are those data stories. Great. Right. I think it's a little bit harder to say because we are we have very strong say diversity and inclusion we are more productive when you have a very high vacancy rate as an example right so yeah well, I, well the, that's where the balance lies
1: right, right so really you got to have, yeah you've got to have some sort of some sort of mix i think we'll fall into i think we'll fall into a norm we'll fall into something where um just like just like your uh all the financial filings are identical filings. It's not like people are reinventing the wheel every time. You're filing the exact same stuff. We'll settle into that and there'll be some commentary and, and some highlights that get added. You know, if a if, if a company wants to tell a specific story with their data, they'll tell that story in the filing. Um but I I think it's really valuable. We've been saying for years, you know, the most important asset of an organization is its people, and we haven't had data for the analyst community uh, about that asset. Okay, well here we go. We're going to have data about that asset. That's a big deal.
0: Well, and you know, and I think I think that people are going to be kind of like saying, well, how do we start? How do we do this? I, I think, you know, we got a couple of areas that that I'm looking at to kind of standardize this. It's kind of like you look at the you know, from prospect to promotion, think about that life cycle of an employee. So, how are we attracting our people? How are we doing it recruiting? How do we develop them? Okay, this is how many people we have. This is where they are. This is how we manage them. This is how we invest in our people. and here's what our diversity and inclusion is in our culture I think in it, How well can we retain them? You know, how much disruption do we have? I think that you know in terms of our vacancies, I think those are good storylines. What's interesting is that there's some ISO standards out there, though. So we have standards around human capital analytics that Did you are, participate in building those out? I did. So, okay. so, so there's there's a handful. You know, and this is the funny thing about ISO standards. You know, you know, I keep on seeing stuff like forever on like costs of hiring and how to measure it. I'm like. There's been an ISO standard since 2016 on exactly how to measure cost of hire, right? How to measure your hiring costs. Here's the formula. It's been there for, it started out as an American national standard. Then it was adopted as an ISO standard years later, which is the normal process where it starts local and then it goes global. Well, there's one for human capital reporting. I forget what the number it is. It's like 414 or something. So, but there there's an actual standard that says oh you're supposed to look at culture recruitment turnover you know leadership etc a certain way and so you can go and get the ISO standard and you can download it and then you can say oh well do I measure these things and i think what's going to be interesting jason is you know the guys at Vanguard, you know the, the the team at Vanguard, the team at State Street, the team at at Morgan Stanley, who were who were the ones doing the valuation, and try, and they're out there seeking alpha. They're the ones who are going to say, well, what are the standards for human capital analytics? What are the standards from HR? And so someone who's outside of HR is going to then look at this analysis. And they're going to start looking at some of these standards that, candidly, your average CHRO doesn't even know exists. It's true. It's
1: true. And they will be – well, what's interesting is the the dangerous uh, thing that could happen is you have the finance guys making the decisions on what we should measure in HR, which would be dangerous because they don't fully understand um, what we're doing in HR. So that would be – that would be interesting. Ultimately, that's um, probably not terrible, but uh, they, they may help boil down uh, to something we talk about at Accenture a lot is uh, business outcome indicators. So we talk about KPIs and SLAs a lot, but Accenture does a thing with, with BOIs, business outcome indicators, which basically says for any process or sub process that we're doing, how does that impact an actual business outcome? So increased revenue, uh, increased performance of your workforce and things that actually drive bottom line results in the end. Yeah. And you're looking for for those things. And it may be that looking at this through a financial eye will help everyone sort of boil these boil the metrics down to the things that actually drive the performance of a business. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's things- why so, we've needed for a long time, honestly.
0: Yeah. I, I kind of like that, that we've got a big regulatory group that has been influenced enough to say, okay, we got, you got to do something. Right. And, you know, for people, you know, so we, we you know, we've got, you know, however many thousands of listeners who are listening and they're all, they're all saying, oh, those finance people, they never know HR, you know, they're, they're not going to be whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're running Workday, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so don't think that that the finance part of the house doesn't make decisions or influence human capital. That's hysterical.
1: Right? Yeah, Workday, SAP, all of those decisions are not made by the uh, talent acquisition professional.
0: No, they are right? not. And so it's like. By- You know, so they're going to take an eye and a lens. And so when you think about your annual reports and your quarterly reports, what we're talking about is working with your investor relations group, right? They're the ones who are going to have to frame this. And, you know, we've been struggling for as long as I've been in HR and as long I know as long as you've been and even longer on just real language that's pretty standard. Yeah, and, I, I agree with that. It, so this is you know, this is not gonna go away. I think there's a great advantage there's a great opportunity for um for the uh technology companies that especially the ERP te- companies, um, they're gonna be under a lot of pressure to kind of you know do some canned solutions or say, Oh, when you're doing the SEC, here's some things that you can look at. Um You know, and then I think that there will be uh, some some others that um, will say, oh, uh, you'll have the the RPOs and the and the outsourcing firms, and then candidly, the consulting firms like your own, where they'll have a human capital practice saying, we will help you set this up. You know, we're going to have to, you know, because no one knows how, and you know, oh, by the way, we happen to know what others are doing, right? One of the hardest parts of this is, you know, if you're Sony, right, or wherever, you know, whoever you are, you only know what your organization's going to do. And then you'll eventually know what others do because you'll read their annual reports to find out. But in the interim, you know, you're really siloed in your group, you know, in your company. You only know what your company is, thinks is important. And... You know, Jason, I've been. You know, you and I have been on the receiving end. Well, what do other companies do? What's the benchmark? Well, you know, benchmarking in HR is like laughable, right? It's like the great goose chase. Well, well, right. So
1: that's true, but there is there are norms that sort of settle out. What's What's interesting is we don't actually do the reporting in this in this world. Um, finance does the reporting. So what's different here is we need to go, if, if, if you haven't done it already, you have to go to your finance team and say, here's the data that's important in HR and here's how we can get it to you for the, for your human capital disclosure, right? So yeah. you, you have to be sharp enough to go out and engage with finance. Otherwise, they're going to try to figure it out themselves. They're going to pull whatever reports they can pull from the systems at hand, and it may not be the right thing to tell the the best story. And I think we're in a position now where we can tell the good story about HR, and we can start bringing the story of what we're doing to the forefront. And that's really valuable. Um, it's it's great to be able to to be an integral part of the business, and uh, and that's that's what this is. So, kind of be proactive, being proactive, solving the problem. <laughs> Andrew, I was thinking about this, and your um, your buyer isn't the CHRO;
0: it's the CFO in this yeah. situation. Yeah, so you have to I, go yeah, There's
1: talk to a different
0: group. Yeah, I, I, I think that you know, uh, you know, and it's not just my buyer, right? It's anybody who's in this analytics space, and you know, who's who's trying to help a company, you know, with human or capital. All three right?
1: of you have any sort of uh, all three of us. <laughs> all three of you who have any sort of client base. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? But, but, but I think, I, I think it will be this weird. Um, it'll be, it'll be a new set of stakeholders that, that candidly, I just haven't done a lot of work with where, um, you know, we'll be coming up with, uh, you know, okay, here's the data a- and, and, you know, here's the data, here's what it says. Here's what that story is. OK, how is that part of your financial story? Right. Yeah. And, and that's just not a story that the CHRO tells that often. And, you know, and, and I think and so I'm hopeful that the fact that you're going to that, that companies are going to be looking at this on a regular basis, they're going to have a slightly different set of conversations on a regular basis than they're used to. And 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 then because once it's out there, it's well, this was in your annual report last year. So, how did you do over the following year? Did you cause then this is this other problem? You start talking about diversity and inclusion, you start talking about speed of hire, you start talking about better management. And then it's like, great. Well, what were your numbers last year? And what were your numbers this year? How did you improve? If you think it's going to be hard in 21, think about what it's going to look like in 22.
1: Well, back to what we were talking about before, maybe that's one of the ways you get DNI to stay on the forefront, right? So you, if you put that out as a big part of your strategy and saying, you know, there, there are consumer brands out there that, you know they they need to change their their hiring mix so that they have more relevance to their end customer, and we we have a client where that's that's their end goal. It's they consider it mission critical to shift the composition of their organization because they uh, are so out of alignment right now with um, uh, with their customer base. I get yeah. that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So. Um, if you go, it, it's a way of almost, uh, keeping everybody honest, once you go out there and say, this is a key part of our strategy, um, those analysts are going to follow up and ask you about it every time.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's right. And so now all of a sudden it becomes like this, you know, ju- just as you have a rhythm, when you sit with analysts and you talk about, this is what our business does. Here's our development plan. You know here is where we're making significant investments financially. here's our m and a strategy. so you have that dialogue right you have those talk tracks that kind of build back to your you know if you know you got your you got your strategic annual plan right which is like your three to five year vision and you're kind of talking about that you know you're talking about this is how we're investing in technology well now all of a sudden. You're gonna be part of your talk track is here's how we're investing in our people. Here's those actual numbers. Here's how much of that we here's how much of EBITDA we're reinvesting back into this part of our people. And I'm pretty excited about where we'll be in a few years. I mean, I'm excited about you know potentially building some of this, but you know, what a what a win for I think talent acquisition, because all of a sudden people are gonna be asking real questions about, hey, how good are we at getting talent? Because we wanna put it in the annual report. We wanna talk about diversity and inclusion and how we're making changes. And TA is really in the forefront on those kinds of things.
1: And here's there's a couple of things with this, right? So data starts with the systems that you use. So um, I think that data integrity will improve because it ties back to financially reported data that has legal ramifications. So I think people are, are gonna start, we're gonna see adoption of ATSs go up. We'll see um, data integrity of the things that people capture because you know people's jobs will be at stake as a result of that, which is nothing good for us. It'll, it will mature us as a, as a function within the business. Um, the, the reason finance is as buttoned up as it is is because if they screw up, somebody goes to jail. And uh, that's uh, HR, I don't know if we'll get that far, but there will be ramifications. It's bad if you screw this up. So um, I think that that this will lead to maturity of the the function. I think it will lead to a focus on how HR actually impacts the bottom line. Can't wait to see analysts start calling out uh, companies, both good and bad. Uh, for things they see in their their HR filings, and um, the the critical imperative that that will put on uh, on those of us who service HR to uh, to help move the needle for them one way or another, uh-huh. it's it is the best news we could ever have in our space. Is this news that yeah, the, it, that this filing is required?
0: Yeah, it it makes this you know, and I'm an you know. You know, I'm kind of surprised that you know this thing kind of came down in November. I'll admit it; it came down like the week before Thanksgiving, right? And you know, you know, I I was excited about it, but I'm like, look, we'll get to this on the podcast at some point, but you know, you know, holidays and everything else. But you know, companies just now we're starting to prime them with, okay, you need to do this, and all of a sudden putting in the data has 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 become so important right that especially for talent acquisition i mean i think that we're looking at some things that are going to be like the days of like oh we're not going to put it in the ats or we're not going to do the crm or we're not going to use that system some of that's going to go away for some of these larger organizations because, because they're just going to say, hey, we need to be able to do this the right way. So what are our key takeaways from
1: all of this with the SEC filing, Andrew? What do we do?
0: You know, I, I think the first thing that, that companies really need to kind of get their hands around is, first of all, talent acquisition, leadership needs to knock on the door, the CHRO during uh, an upcoming, you know, one-on-one. And and say, hey, human capital analytics are part of the SEC filing. Um, you know that we have to do annually, if not quarterly. What's what's our visibility on this? And you know, I think you know as soon as the CHRO either knows about it or doesn't. But I think awareness is critical. And then you have to say, what are you talking about? Well, all right, go get some information about what this what this filing is supposed to be and start having the dialogue with the investor relations organization and say, what's the cadence that we do? What's the cadence that we have for the publication of the annual report? You know, I mean, it goes through an annual report is no different than like a government report that I'll write for Congress. It goes through a pretty good vetting process. And so you're going to have to kind of lock in to that calendar and know that, hey, you know, we're going to publish our, our filing, you know, in April or in March for the previous fiscal, which means that your talent acquisition analytics team or your human capital analytics team has their stuff kind of ready to go, you know, January. And say this is what happened last fiscal, and then analysts are going to look at it. But you're going to have to start locking into investor relations and understand the calendar of the publication, and then reverse engineer from there. That, I think that's what we got to do first.
1: Yep. I, I think that uh, I think that makes sense. I think approaching the the finance organization is is the starting point, and uh, and talking about this thing, understand when they anticipate adding this, this uh, data to their filings and then a conversation about stories they've told before, stories that need to come uh, in order to, to outline a str- piece of strategy that, you know, a part of this is there's a piece of the strategy we want to share and piece of the strategy we don't. They're a piece of the strategy you don't want the, uh, the, the market in general to know. So um, the, the finance organization will be a
0: part of that along the way. Uh, We can wrap it up. Sounds good. Thank you, Jason. And so for all of us here at Recruiting.Technology, I'm Andrew Godomsky. That's Jason Roberts. We'll see you soon. Adios. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook or reach out to us directly through our website at www.recruiting.Technology.